This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcast to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Should NATO members be paying more into the NATO fund? That's what we'll talk about on the show today. Welcome to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. My name is Walker Wildman. I'm your host for today, uh, really for each day, each uh, weekend here on American Family Radio. So we're going to talk about NATO. What's that stand for? If you don't know, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. NATO was originally formed roughly 70 years ago to combat Soviet aggression in Europe now known as Russia. And uh, so NATO, uh, President Trump's been in Europe. President Trump has been in Europe, uh, specifically London, this past week at the uh, G7. I think this was a G7. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, this is actually the NATO summit. There's been various summits throughout the year, G7, G20, so on and so forth. This is actually the NATO summit, uh, which explains the topic here in London that President Trump was was visiting this past week. And so uh, we're going to talk about that because there's, you know, one thing that President Trump has been focusing on since he was sworn into office is getting uh, members of NATO, which is various over a dozen countries, uh, getting these uh, uh 29 different countries to pay more into the NATO military fund to defend the 29 countries. And, you know, the U.S. historically has been paying uh, much more when it comes to uh, per GDP percentage-wise than some of these other countries and some of the other countries that are actually bordering Russia or near Russia there in Europe. And jumping right into this, you know, President Trump was at NATO, and I want to play, this is going to be um, clip one. This is President Trump responding to some of the NATO members actually mocking him what was supposed to be privately at a reception, and it got caught on a hot mic. These members are mocking President Trump about how he talks too much etc etc president trump gets to the bottom of this at what they're really upset about clip one you have a video of uh prime minister talking about you last night well he's two-faced you think that germany's too nice and honestly with trudeau he's a nice guy I, I find him to be a very nice guy but you know the truth is that uh i called him out on the fact that he's not paying two percent and I guess he's not very happy about it. I mean, you were there, a couple of you were there, and uh, he's not paying 2%, and he should be paying 2%. It's Canada, they have money. 
<laughs> and they should be paying 2%. So I called him out on that, and I'm sure he wasn't happy about it, but that's the way it is. Look, I'm representing the U.S., and he should be paying more than he's paying, and he understands it. So I can imagine, I can imagine he's not that happy, but that's the way it is. Well, there you have it. President Trump talking about how Canada, our neighbor to the north, not paying 2%. They're not even paying 2% of their GDP into NATO. And so President Trump brought that up to Trudeau, the left-wing leader of Canada, and uh, Trudeau got his feelings hurt because President Trump called him out in an in a live in a meeting on live television was pushing him about why they're not paying more into NATO. And what's frustrating is that you have all these countries and they they expect to be protected by the US and others, but they don't want to pay as the left wing says, as the Democrats say, Remember, they used to say, you know, rich people just need to pay their fair share. Well, I'm going to steal that phrase and say that NATO members just need to pay their fair share. If the established agreement is every NATO country, every NATO member country pays 2% of the GDP into NATO, well, then they need to do it. And if they can't do it, then they need to be booted from the from the group, from the NATO group, from the organization. And what is happening is, basically the U.S. has been footing a large portion of the bill when it comes to funding NATO. And here we are, the policemen of the world, traveling all over the place, protecting our allies. The least these countries can do, like Canada and France and others, the least they can do is pay the agreed-upon percentage. The least they can do is pay the agreed-upon percentage. And another example about how these, these European countries are not doing their part, they're freeloading, if you will. I'm going to play clip two here. This is a, this is part of a CBS report on President Trump versus France and Macron when it comes to France taking back French citizens who have been arrested fighting terror and killing innocent citizens in Syria. Clip two, let's listen. In a tense exchange Tuesday, Macron challenged President Trump on his handling of Syria. The first burden we share, the first cost we pay, Unaccustomed to direct confrontation by leaders abroad, Mr. Trump fired back. Uh, would you like some nice ISIS fighters? Yeah, I can give them. You don't make any mistake. Your number one problem are not the foreign fighters. This is the ISIS fighters in the region. This is why he's a great politician because that was one of the greatest non-answers I've ever heard. <laughs> well, there you have it, President Trump, asking uh, the French leader there who, by the way, is is very unliked in his own country. Uh, you, you've been seeing the protest in recent months in France because they were, they were um, 
raising taxes on middle class people and they were very upset there in France. I think they did a gas tax or a carbon tax. Absolutely ridiculous. But President Trump there, and this is another problem, President Trump there asking the French leader if he's going if he's going to take the ISIS fighters back to France where they're from. Which is a no-brainer. But no, French the, uh, the French don't want them. France does not want them. These are French citizens who have traveled to Syria and other places in the Middle East to fight on behalf of the jihadi Muslim radicals are the Muslim terrorists and Fr- the, the, the French they won't they don't even have the decency when when our troops capture them to take them back and put them in jail in France. They say, oh, no, no, we don't want them. We should fly them back to France and drop them off at the airport. But instead, guess who's left to take care of them? The U.S. and the Kurds and some others. President Trump there asking the French leader, would you like some nice ISIS fighters back in your country shifting gears a little bit but staying on the on the same topic uh when it comes to nato you know many many experts on this and i'm not one but many other experts who are you know very familiar with how nato works the history of it the origins of it so on and so forth you know they're beginning to ask the question about whether the u.s should even be in nato and one of the persons doing this is um, Harry J. Kazanis, Harry J. Kazanis, K-A-Z-I-A-N-I-S. He wrote an op-ed here in foxnews.com on the opinion page with the headline or with the title, the subject line, NATO should die if allies won't increase spending as Trump wants. And so Mr. Kazanis here writes that nations like Germany, I'm quoting here, nations like Germany, which are among the richest on the planet, can surely defend themselves against Russia. They need to meet such an obligation, talking about um, spending. If they can't, or they simply won't, America has the right to reconsider its commitments to NATO and whether NATO needs to exist. Moving on, but just because NATO was needed in decades past, 70 years ago, doesn't mean it is needed now and will be needed far in the future. And I think this is a very, I mean, this is good stuff to talk about. Now, am I suggesting we need to abolish NATO? No, that's not necessarily what I'm talking about here. But what I'm talking about is we, we need to constantly be asking ourselves, so what are we doing here? What is the purpose? And that's, see, this is a foreign idea to those in Washington, D.C. This is a foreign idea to lifelong bureaucrats and politicians who are addicted to the status quo to 
the mentality that this is how we've always done it, so this is how we're going to continue doing it, no matter what. And this is what I've said about U.S. involvement in the Middle East when it comes to military. Do I think we need to completely withdraw from every aspect of the Middle East? Probably not. We need to protect Israel. But I think it's a healthy conversation to reevaluate frequently what is our purpose. And if you ask people now, what is our purpose in NATO? What is our purpose in the Middle East? Many people don't have a good answer. They have, some have no answer. No one seems to know and have a compelling argument as to why it is in the United States' best interest to be involved in, in organizations like NATO, to be involved in the Middle East, to be in Syria, to be in Afghanistan, to be in Iraq, etc., etc. Not to mention, you have countries like Turkey, who are, oddly enough, members of NATO, who are also close allies to Russia, which is the country, the region, the threat that NATO is supposed to protect against. Here you have Turkey, a NATO member, doing military operations, trade deals, all kind of business deals. Basically, Turkey's in bed with Russia, with Vladimir Putin, but they're also members of NATO. NATO has more so shifted to this universal group of countries who protect each other against any and every threat, not just former Soviet aggression. Shifting gears a little bit, moving on to different topics. You know, one thing that President Trump has been noting in recent weeks, and this has been well known amongst people who keep up with news in Washington, D.C., is that some Ukrainians and some Ukrainian government officials governmental officials did not want Donald J. Trump to win the election in 2016. As a matter of fact, Politico, not saying Politico is the end-all be-all when it comes to reporting, but every once in a while they have some good stuff. Politico put out a story back in 2017, January of 2017, almost two years ago, put out a story 24-page story citing various officials and sources, actually listing their sources, about how Ukrainian governmental officials pushed an effort to sabotage candidate Donald Trump in 2016. They go on to talk about how Ukrainian officials uh, released information against Paul Manafort to bring him down how they worked with uh, Fusion GPS and Christopher Steele on the fake dossier, which gave us Robert Mueller and the Russia hoax. You have the Joe Biden, Hunter Biden connection to Ukraine. But someone who is apparently out of touch with reality and facts 
is Mitt Romney, the left-wing hack with an R beside his name, Mitt Romney, clip three, tries to act like Ukraine didn't meddle in the 2016 election. Let's listen to clip three. I saw no evidence from our intelligence community, nor from the representatives today from the Department of State, that there is any evidence of any kind that suggests that Ukraine uh, interfered in our elections. We have ample evidence that Russia interfered in our elections. Well, there you have it. Romney, Mitt Romney, senator from Utah, says there is no evidence that Ukraine meddled in the 2016 election. There's no evidence. You know why Mitt Romney's saying there's no evidence? Because he doesn't want there to be any evidence, despite the fact that there is. There is ample evidence that Ukrainian governmental officials, top-level officials, they wanted Hillary Clinton to be president, Donald J. Trump to lose. Now, is this surprising? No, it's not surprising, and it's really not scandalous at all. Foreign governments have different favorites when it comes to political leaders in the U.S. They have people they like, people they don't, people they hate more than others. And so the fact that they are they were meddling around trying to get Hillary Clinton to win is not really surprising and not really scandalous. This happens all the time around the world, foreign governments trying to influence other governmental elections. This is how world politics works. But the problem comes about when the Democrats, including Mitt Romney, try to act like Russian interference is the end-all be-all. We cannot tolerate Vladimir Putin's Russian aggression in 2016 elections. But when we want to talk about Ukrainian meddling in favor of Hillary Clinton, oh, no, no, there's no evidence of that. Absolutely no evidence of that. Have you had your head in the sand? There's plenty of evidence. The Ukrainian officials even admitted publicly we preferred Hillary Clinton and we took actions accordingly. The reality is foreign governments pushing different outcomes in various elections is not news. It's not scandalous. It happens every day. But the Democrats and Democrat Mitt Romney want to make this a scandal when it comes to Russia, but when we talk about Ukraine, well, then it's not a scandal. We don't need to talk about that never heard of it before, in denial. Despite all of the ample evidence that points to Ukrainian meddling in the 2016 election. So you can't have it both ways. Other news in Washington, D.C. You know, President Trump in recent weeks has pardoned various military, uh, various soldiers who have been charged Uh, in military courts with various so-called war crimes. Two of these uh, military officers are military, uh, are these soldiers. They were, one of them was Navy SEAL Eddie Gallagher, 
And I can't seem to find the name of, of the other one, but nonetheless, here we go. Uh, pardon were Army Lieutenant Clint Lawrence, Lawrence, and then uh, Green Beret Major Matt Goldstein and Navy SEAL Eddie Gallagher. So we have these now three service members that were convicted or accused of war crimes in Afghanistan. Some of them have been in jail for years. Lawrence was in jail for six years on a 19-year prison sentence. Now, here's the thing. First off, I like that President, I think it's a good thing, a noble thing that President Trump pardoned these service members. Now, were they guilty of some things when it comes to military standards, rules of engagement, protocol, all this stuff? Yeah, I mean, probably. I don't know all the evidence, all the facts. But we have to ask ourselves, do we want to be tougher and punish those who served our country? Do we want to punish them more than we do other criminals here in the homeland that do far worse things to innocent people? For example, you have people here in America, citizens, some illegal immigrants who murder, rape, do various other sick and deranged things to innocent people, innocent children, and they get, what, five years, six years, maybe ten on a tough day. But here we have service members who served our country fought to defend our country, put their lives on the line, and our government has the audacity to sentence them to 20 years in prison. To 20 years in prison. Some murderers and drug dealers don't even get 20 years in prison when convicted. But here we have our military prosecutors Bloodthirsty prosecutors wanting to put military service members in prison for 10, 20, 30 years over things that happened overseas, not on U.S. soil, oftentimes to bad people, to terrorists. And so President Trump on the right track, bringing some sanity and U.S. Uh, patriotism and loyalty to our, uh, our country. And you know what this does is it, it reaffirms uh, our commander-in-chief's commitment to our military. And it sends a message to our military that, hey, look, if you go overseas defending our country and you get in a bind and something goes south that you didn't expect to happen, I'm going to have your back. There is room for to be pardoned. There is room for grace when it comes to things that go south overseas. And the last thing I'll say on this, the, the White House put out a statement on this decision and said, the White House said this, the president as commander-in-chief is ultimately responsible for ensuring that the law is enforced and when appropriate, that mercy is granted. For more than 200 years, presidents have used their authority to offer second chances to deserving individuals, including those in uniform who have served 
our country. So there you have it, President Trump pardoning a few service members who were um, some wrongly accused and some others maybe legitimately accused. One last thing that I wanted, one last clip I wanted to bring to our attention is Hillary Clinton, she uh, she keeps repeating this this idea or this, what she's saying is people keep begging me basically to run for president. I want to play clip four. This is Hillary Clinton. Let's listen. The rumor mill is flying that, yeah, you, could, that. you could step back into the ring. Yeah, I, I, um, I hear that. I, I especially have been deluged in you know, the last few weeks um, uh, with uh, thinking about uh, doing that. But right now, I'm not at all uh, you know, planning that. Um, I'd have to make up my mind really quickly uh, because it's moving uh, very fast. Well, there you have it. Hillary Clinton say, saying that she's been deluged been overwhelmed with the number of people wanting her to run for president. I'm beginning to question whether this is even true or not. I don't, I actually haven't heard any Democrat on the record saying that Hillary Clinton should run for president again. If someone wants to email me exposing Washington at AFR.net, with a clip of someone within the last year or two saying that Hillary Clinton needs to run for president again, uh, a top Democrat on the record saying Hillary Clinton needs to run for president again, I would love to watch that clip and actually play it on the air. But I don't recall one instance of an influential Democrat person saying that they would like Hillary Clinton on the ballot in 2016. There are many, I mean, in 2020. There are many Republicans who would love to see Hillary Clinton on the ballot again in 2020, but I don't know of one Democrat, not one Democrat. Yet, yet Hillary Clinton keeps insisting that there are many people who want her to run for president. I don't know one Democrat that wants her to run for president. Some good news out of Washington, D.C. before we wrap up the show is that the USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, is set to finalize a proposal to reform the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, otherwise known as SNAP, by encouraging those receiving the benefits to work. Basically, this rule is going to make it to where if you receive these certain welfare benefits and you are able-bodied to work, then you're going to have to get a job. You are going to have to get a job. The reasoning behind this, this is common sense, it encourages work, but also there's seven million job openings across the country, roughly seven million with an M job openings across the country. So the excuse that, oh, I can't find a job it's just not there. Plenty, plenty of jobs available for people uh, who have been out of work for whatever reason. So good news out of Washington, D.C. A work requirement is coming to certain welfare benefits. Exposing Washington American Family Radio. Check out our website, AFR.net, to find out more information about the show. See you next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.